Welcome, Padawans, to the Wannabe Jedi Podcast. My name is Josh. And I'm Matt. And today we have a very special guest. Oh! <laughs> That's Ricky. Our really good friend, Ricky. He is my red two. I'm his red leader. We're going to get into all that. But Ricky, why don't you say hi? Hello. Yes, I, I am indeed Ricky. Uh, I'm, I'm really great friends with, with Matt and Josh. I was the best man at Matt's wedding, currently drinking a lovely beer from Matt glasses from the wedding itself. Uh, so I'm very happy to be here on the podcast with you all today. Yes, we're, we're excited to have you there. Now, I mentioned you're Red 2. I'm Red Leader. So the story behind that is goes back to our Battlefront 2 days. I know that on the podcast, Josh and I have mentioned it multiple times about how we still play the 2005 version of Battlefront 2 with a group of friends. Squad up. Um, squad up, yes. We're actually in the Discord that we, we talk in right now. But anyhow, Ricky and I, when we first decided that this big group was going to play, Ricky and I were like, we got to be on the same team and we got to have battle plans. So like we called battle plan alpha, beta, I, I think it dealt, we all went all the way down to Delta or, or uh, yeah, Echo or even. It. Uh, Google Doc. With we have a Google Doc with plans. it, yep. And so, because we wanted to be really strategic and, and beat Josh, that was the entire goal was to beat Josh. <laughs> uh, um, feel, and so we I came up with love. code names. <laughs> yes, you should feel the love because we win every time. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that you're red too. We do not win every time. <laughs> there are days where we win all of them, and there are days where we don't take home a single W. Yeah. So. It's pretty balanced, but so Ricky is my red too. I'm red leader. I'm not really sure how I got the leader position, considering you were the one that came up with all the battle plans. And um, I typically am the one that does a majority of the dogfighting. Not to say that going on the bombing runs isn't valuable. That's how you score most of the points. Hey, but... just remember, The Last Jedi, so what? Poe did a lot of work fi fighting and dogfighting, but one bomber allowed everyone to escape. Just saying. Just saying. That's true. The bombers, the bombers go unthanked. Rose and Tico, and I, I recognize that. Rose Tico's sister. Yeah, but anyway, so before we get started on our Darth Maul episode and discussing Darth Maul and all of the cool, intricate parts, Ricky, do you remember your first Star Wars memory? Um, yeah, I've got two. Um, so my first, um, like my first fond memory of Star Wars was oh, i don't even know what year revenge of the sith came out but we, we were we were all we little yet little yet lads because we were all the same age so i remember walking out of the theater of revenge of the sith with uh some of my like it was a distant family of mine that took me to see it it wasn't like immediate family it was like a great aunt <laughs> that took me to go see rots uh and i just remember coming out of the theater pretty upset um at the ending even though I, like, think... I had known yeah, I'm pretty sure I left the theater midway through after the younglings got slaughtered when I was that age because I was so freaked out. I'm not going to lie. Right, we were all super young. Yeah, I was like, that could have been me. I was that young kid. Oh my God, I'm going to die from Anakin Skywalker was my like thought process as a kid. All I remember when Revenge of the Sith came out in 2005 is I went to the doctor and we asked for like stickers after getting shots and they had like these Revenge of the Sith stickers. <laughs> So that's all I dude, remember. I hate shots. I, even even though I could get a Star Wars band-aid, dude, I hated shots. That was mm, brutal. I still don't like shots. 
<laughs> second Star Wars memory, and probably the more fonder one, even though it was when I was younger than when I was when I saw Rots, uh, was just watching the old trilogy um, Star Wars movies on the gold VHS collection that my mm. grandfather had. So I'd always watch the Looney Tunes VHS, and then we'd go through the entire old trilogy on VHS. So fun, cool. fun fact. That is exactly what I used to do. I used to watch Looney Tunes and Scooby-Doo on the VHS, and then I would switch over to Star Wars when I was sick, and like A New Hope in like the original trilogy. Like on the sick days when you were like trying not to go to school as in elementary school, it would be Scooby-Doo and Star Wars for me. All I remember is, yeah, watching it on VHS and then knowing that the additions, like the later additions, the changes to the originals. And like, I'm like, that's not right. They changed that. Jabba being stepped on. Yeah, Jabba being (laughs) stepped on. And even like now it's like McClunky on Disney Plus. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, true. There's been a lot of changes through the years. That's funny. So, Ricky, another question for you. We asked you when we started going down this podcast endeavor what episode you'd want to appear on and you said that you really liked maul so why don't you give us a little background on why you wanted to be a part of the uh, darth maul episode obviously before this happened this was before clone wars the last season and when i've really started to fall in love with maul more so i was like well man why do you want to talk about maul he's kind of a background character um kind of a weird story and then you're like yeah let's talk mall so why don't you uh give us a rundown well you kind of get at like why i'm really fascinated by darth maul's character um is that you said he is kind of this until the clone wars this background character right um this this character that doesn't have much screen time in in the movies um and like there's a ton of canon outside of the movies that talks nothing but darth maul but, like, until the Clone Wars, uh, and even, until, like, Solo features Maul very briefly, and we can talk about that a little bit later, but, mm-hmm. like, the entire first movie is titled The Phantom Menace, and aside from the very short snippets that we see of him, he is, even though the movie's named after him, not on screen all that much. Some argue that The Phantom Menace is actually Palpatine. Yeah, so I, I I'm curious. Right. So why do why do you think that? Because um, I tend to think that it's Palpatine. So I'm I'm curious why why you think it's more towards the mall side. I think it's more towards the mall side because, and and I think this this is one of the reasons why he's such a fascinating character is that he is a background character and he has very minimal dialogue. Um, so he's a phantom in that he doesn't have much of a voice throughout the film you don't you only see him you only see him uh engaging in lightsaber duels and being this menacing creature who is shrouded in black robes who is is, his face is different colors than everyone else who only is seen wielding a lightsaber and causing harm and for lack of a better term menacing yeah, phantom because he doesn't have that much screen time. He doesn't have that much vocalization throughout the film. Yeah, yeah, and some people also think that the Phantom Menace is Jar Jar because <laughs> whenever he opens his mouth, it's. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's a different discussion, I think. <laughs> I find myself rewatching season one of the Clone Wars, and every time uh, Senator Banks is on screen and does something ridiculous, I'm like, just, just kill him. 
Like, yeah. what are you guys doing? Just let him die. One thing, you know, if we're going on a little Jar Jar rant, is that I hate, like, the first episode, it actually sounds like Jar Jar from the movies, and then after that, I think I've talked about this briefly in one of our past episodes, but they changed the voice actor of Jar Jar, and he has, like, this deeper, annoying voice. And, like, I could do a better Jar Jar voice than that. <laughs> and Man, dude, I was lining up the actor as a guest on the show, and you just completely mixed that. From- <laughs> I mean, nothing against him. He's done amazing voices other than Jar Jar. But I'm just saying, like, Jar Jar, not the best character. And I know, like, you know, when we were kids, like, that's, like, who he was appealing to. But as we grow older, we can see how annoying he was. And especially in the Clone Wars, any episode, like anything that he does is like goes wrong. And then it ends up that it's in profit of like the Republic. So it's just an interesting, interesting side to Clone Wars and and Jar Jar. I mean, besides that Jar Jar being annoying, I think that the actual purpose is that He's designed to be a character that even though he doesn't always do good, like, mm-hmm. in fact, voting for Palpatine into power and stuff like that when Padme couldn't vote. Um, other than that, you actually see that he is trying to he's trying to be good. He's trying to be a good character. He's trying to be not menacing, as we will talk about with Maul. Yeah. So I think that there's some symbolism there that he has a good heart, even though he doesn't always have the best actions. I think that, that was the intention behind Jar Jar. Gotcha. Sorry. Yeah. That's slightly, slightly off course. We'll, we'll there, save but... for a Jar Jar episode. <laughs> yes. Um, but going back to Maul, Ricky, people don't know this, but you are a English and history major that just graduated and is going to be teaching English and history to the next set of generation. And you have a very strong appreciation for symbolism. What do you think Maul symbolizes? Ooh, that's a really yeah. good question. I, I saved it until here. I was not going to... So I'm not, I don't tell people what I'm going to ask because I want to get their live reactions. I don't want them to have like a thought out. Well, not saying that you can't have thought out, but like I like to know what people actually feel. And I feel like if you have time to prep it, you might not fully have the answer that you believe. So Matt puts me on the spot all the time. It's super fun. <laughs> as 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 an up and coming teacher, that's all we do uh, is is everything's on the spot. So I think um, I'm going to briefly reiterate like one of the things that I think uh, is symbolic just about Darth Maul um, in the title of the film as being like this Phantom Menace because uh, I do think Phantom Menace is about Darth Maul's character or at least about. Uh, what Darth Maul represents about the Sith in general, that they're this shadowy group of individuals who we know almost nothing about, except when they bring out that red lightsaber and they start trying to go against the Jedi or going against the status quo. So I think the lack of dialogue is intentional, um, and I think that's one of the more important things to note about Darth Maul's character, at least in the films, is his lack of dialogue. it, it engages in that narrative of the Sith as these individuals who are shadowed in darkness, who we know nothing about, who don't have a voice and only really have a voice through their use of the Force in these demonic and uh, evil ways. Like in, in what he also represents is again just kind of this that shadowy element of the Sith in general, especially 
when Anakin sees Darth Maul in the film, right? Mm -hmm. Anakin, this young child who is an excellent pod racer, who has all of these, like he's super confident, overconfident. And then when he's in the, in the scenes where he's able to see Maul, it's this like kind of a tease towards the dark side, a tease towards the nature of the Sith where it's Mm -hmm. super shadowed in uncertainty and in darkness and in the unknowable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I tend to agree with you, but I also am not an English person. <laughs> English person. I, that, that shows you how much English I know. <laughs> so I wanted, to, I wanted to get the first-hand take on it from someone who definitely knows far more about symbolism than I do. So yeah, I guess I went on a long tirade there, but in, in short, I think Maul represents the darkness and the uncertainty that the Sith represents. So he, he is a representation of the Sith in their uncertainty and their darkness and their unknowable. Yeah. Yeah. Before uh, the Phantom Menace, we can see like, I think it was either a comic or a book. I don't know if it's canon or not. Comic. It was a comic Comic. where he actually is very eager to kill his first Jedi. So um, actually I think he, so Maul was, was he taken as like an assassin? Like it would kind of be like an Asajj Ventress to Count Dooku. So Maul was taken from Dathomir, um, his home planet, and Correct. he was assigned to Palpatine as like an assassin. And but this was the time where Palpatine was still under Darth Plagueis. Was that correct, Matt? Do you know? Um. So unfortunately, the Darth Plagueis novel is no longer canon. Yeah. In that novel, Palpatine did not have Darth Maul yet. Mm-hmm. So I think that they were maybe they're trying to set this up for a deeper backstory of like a young Palpatine, yeah, rising in the dark side with Plagueis. I I could see that being a series potentially, and then leading up to the meeting of Maul, which is maybe why they didn't want to necessarily have this be canon anymore. Yeah, but in the book Darth Plagueis, it goes up until Palpatine kills Plagueis, and then what he's doing after. Gotcha. So so he doesn't meet Maul at that point yet. So. From the comic, this is post Plagueis, mm-hmm. pre, and then leading up to Maul being um, Sidious's apprentice. Yeah, and I know he really wanted to show that the Sith were back. He was eager to show that they were back and like kill a bunch of Jedi. But Palpatine was, you know, working on his overall plan to hide in the shadows. And in episode in episode one, Phantom Menace, when they need to show themselves, or when Maul needs to show himself, that's when. That's when he is shown fighting on Tatooine against Qui-Gon Jinn. Right, which is why I have a love-hate with the movie representation of Maul. Um, I love the symbolic representation of darkness and uncertainty through his character, through the clothing that he wears, through the lack of dialogue, through the very minimal screen time. But then also, like Josh, you said, one of the things that makes Maul Maul is his want to show that, like, hey... We are as strong as the Jedi, and we should be able to show our power, even though the Jedi are still reigning supreme, right? We, we should be able to come out of the shadows and show that we are a force to be reckoned with, but that doesn't get represented in the movie adaptation of Maul, in my opinion, at all. You, you don't really see that. Yeah. So are you saying that you would prefer, like, instead of opening with the trade blockade were you saying that you prefer episode one to start with sidious and maul 
having these discussions and then leading to the trade blockade and that plan being uh, enacted. I, th- I think that would be a better introduction to show a little bit more of that exposition for Darth Maul as a character as one of the first Sith Lords under Darth Sidious mm-hmm. um, as this up-and-coming amazing assassin, amazing lightsaber fighter, duelist, uh, very acrobatic and aerobic in his moves and his ability to manipulate the Force, um, and, and, and use that to show how he wants to bring the Sith into the limelight against the Jedi. Yeah, it's very interesting, because I actually think I might disagree with you slightly, and not because I don't think that would make a better storyline, but I think that it was important. Think about it. Star Wars was gone for, what, 20-plus years? Mm-hmm. And I think that was very important to send a strong message with episode one that, like, Star Wars is back. And so what better way to do it than to highlight two Jedi, which you don't know is Obi-Wan just yet, but you're about to get an understanding that it's Obi-Wan, and just a familiar face. I think that that was kind of key, which is why I think, even though I agree that what you were saying would lead to a better storyline, I think it was important for Star Wars as a whole to lead with being reintroduced with a familiar face. Right. And I also think just the lack of screen time for Darth, Darth Maul's character makes you feel less when he is, quote, killed and, quote, on screen by uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. So they're like, not that you're supposed to have any attachment to evil characters, to Sith Lords. You, like, e- even old trilogy, if you have a fondness towards Boba Fett or a fondness towards Darth Vader, or you see them more when they are killed on screen or off screen, you have more of a reaction. Yeah. With the lack of screen time that Darth Maul has in The Phantom Menace, I think it's easier to have Obi-Wan kill him and focus more on the relationship Obi-Wan has with Kaigon Jin rather than focus on, oh, wait, this amazing Sith Lord has just been killed. Let's take a minute to talk about that. No, the focus is on Obi-Wan Kenobi um, and, and Obi-Wan in this instance, avenging the death of his Jedi Master. So, Josh, I think you know what I might say, but I'm okay. just going to repeat it anyway. So on Disney+, Plus, there's the Mandalorian documentary where they have a bunch of the directors and producers in a roundtable discussing Star Wars and, more specifically, The Mandalorian. But in Episode 2, Dave Filoni, which is the creator of Clone Wars, Rebels, executive right. producer on a whole boatload of things, he goes off on a tangent about why if Qui-Gon Jinn basically lived that the course of Star Wars history would have been changed, Anakin would have stayed good because Qui-Gon would have been able to recognize it. he had the true meaning of what it meant to be a Jedi. It's a phenomenal 10-minute rant mm-hmm. that they didn't cut anything out. They like literally left it in in its entirety because it's just so perfect and summarizes Star Wars about being about family. So... I guess when you you were talking about the highlight of avenging Qui-Gon, that's what Obi-Wan does, and then Obi-Wan now having to take on Anakin, even though he's definitely not prepared to take on a Padawan at this time. Yeah. I think it's very intentional that they did that because, like Dave Filoni said, that was George's intention, is to show how the only father figure that Anakin ever had was Qui-Gon that he knew for two days, and then he now is gone. And now he has kind of a brother in Obi-Wan, but it's like an older brother. And so it's a very interesting like relationship and family dynamic. So I think it was very intentional why one is centered around Qui-Gon and not the Sith 
and Maul and Sidious, and I think that is intentional. While I do absolutely love Maul, I think that when you get that context, it honestly it takes it, it makes me appreciate Phantom Menace. I'm probably gonna watch Phantom Menace right after this, to be honest, guys. I'm gonna be <laughs> honest because um, it just. Oh, it just gives me chills. (laughs) It gives me chills just to appreciate that, like, even though it wasn't maybe verbalized well or communicated well in the film, when you get that added context, you can kind of see that and see how even Maul ends up being the the family killer, basically. Mm -hmm. He destroys the family. It makes him more bad. Well, we can look at the same thing happened to The Last Jedi. Like, a lot of people didn't like The Last Jedi when it came out, and now that the... Rise of Skywalker is out. They look at back at the the Last Jedi and they say, "Hey, this was actually pretty good." I mean, again, it's very it's a very conflicted and opinionated movie. So, oh yeah, you're not you're not on the Twitter. The the Twitter is constantly blowing up between which one was better, which one was worse, and it's just it's a mess. I'm gonna have fuel to the fire. My my favorite question to ask people is, "What is the worst Star Wars film, and why is it the Last Jedi?" Uh, I do I do like. Uh, Rise of Skywalker more than Last Jedi. Um, <laughs> no, like, like Last Jedi is good. I'm not saying it's a bad Star Wars movie. I liked it a lot. I just think that the plot holes and the some of the events in Last Jedi are pretty pretty bad uh, when you compare it to the other two in the new trilogy. Yeah, uh, there's like one that's pretty prominent that I think. You know what I'm referring to. Um, and then there's a couple more that are like, wait, what? Yeah. So, well, that so that's fair. I'm going to say this now. I'm going to say this now. It's fair to have your own opinions. Just be civil about it. That's and all I... you be wrong, and that's fine. <laughs> oh. That, that's what I say to my students all the time. I'm like, hey, everybody has their own opinion. Just be accepting and listen to different ideas. And yes. talking about Maul, Sam Witwer, who voices Maul in... Rebels and Clone Wars, he has his own opinion about The Last Jedi and about even Ryan Johnson, who directed the film. So, yeah, Sam Sam Witwer has his own Twitch, and I was watching it, and he was talking about his opinions and what Star Wars means to him. He's probably one of the biggest fans. He works alongside Lucasfilm, and he's just awesome. He knows what the fans fans want. So pretty pretty cool with that so yeah i mean it's been a hot topic in star wars land since he did reveal kind of his feelings yeah and while that's not like a bad thing he also is keeping it very civil he has his thought it's a laid out thought but then he also listens to the other people and i think that that's more important on i we should even if you disagree with him you should be like him in that you accept that there's going to be like it's even just true with the universe today like you just need to accept the fact that people are going to have differentiating opinions than you it's just what happens yeah but you can still be civil about it and have a civil debate and still remain friends like ricky right i do have to demote you to red three because of your opinion but i respect it <laughs> <laughs> and know that I, ex- I i i accept and respect your opinion but when I accidentally um, spawn uh, on the Empire side in the next oh, battle oh, I, I get space Ricky. battle, um, and I hop in a TIE fighter and accidentally blow you out of the sky, uh, it's, it's with love. It really is. <laughs> oh, yes. I, <laughs> I can feel it. 
accepting and endearing and true true love for you as, as a human being who has your own opinion is this like rex's demotion like jesse demoting rex <laughs> in the last episode <laughs> oh it feels that spoilers, way spoilers oh no, no spoilers. spoilers i mean we do have to talk about it today because it is a prominent arc for mall like there's no this is probably one of the best yeah arcs for mall i could say close but second behind that is his one in the earlier seasons of Clone Wars, but yeah, we, we do have to we do have to talk about it. I I I have to. We we will talk about it after we finish accepting each other and stuff like that. And we're gonna take a quick break, and hopefully, we'll have accepted each other by then. Welcome back, Padawans. We are still discussing Maul with our good friend, Ricky. Um, He is now Red 3, and I am going to be shot out of the sky at our next Battlefront 2 event, but that's okay. (laughs) So Josh was talking about Maul and the Clone Wars arc. So Josh, why don't you start off with the question you had? So, okay, so I got to start off a little bit of background just for our listener, for the Padawans out there, just because it is recent. There's going to be some spoilers within Clone Wars. So we see Maul being saved by his brother Savage throughout the, the first or the third season, I think, of Clone Wars. Again, you can correct me out there. But later he ends up joining and combining all these crime syndicates to have his own order. And he shows that he has power. And eventually he is um, his master, his old master, Palpatine, was feeling that there's a rise in Sith and this other power and trying to replace him. So what ends up happening is that Palpatine goes to Mandalore where he is and he ends up killing Savage and sending Maul technically to a kind of like prison um, area, but then he gets saved by his other, his Mandalorian crew. But what I wanted to say, like, so he's, gaining up a lot of power, and we see that even in Solo later. But in this last arc of Clone Wars, we see that Ahsoka and Maul fight, and we know that Maul sensed the turn of Anakin Skywalker. So my question is, let's just say in a hypothetical situation where Mace Windu and Anakin either kill Palpatine or arrest Palpatine, and Palpatine's actually, his Order 66 plan never happened. Who's going to be the next Sith Lord to take over? Would it be Maul or would it be somebody else? Or do you, who would be Maul's apprentice? That's always a, another good question to ask. So I want to get your opinions on that. I, I think that we only... I I hate playing the alternate reality game. I, I don't like it. So I'll, well, I'll, I'll make my... so much fun. No, like, it, no. So there's, can- there's canon. There's canon. There's canon. That's it. There's canon. That's it for me. So I will leave it as if... If in some magical way, it would be Maul, and I don't think he has Apprentice yet, I think it would be someone that we wouldn't have seen. That's what I'll leave it as. Okay. Ricky? I'm just not sure that Maul would be the the new leader, like, the one to take over the, the Sith, and the one to be the, I am the new Sith Apprentice, fear me. I just don't think, like, with all of Maul's engagement with crime syndicates 
and these underground institutions and these organizations that aren't really necessarily dealing with the Force and dealing with the Sith or um, rummaging with the Jedi, I, I don't think he, he would rise to the, the challenge and rise to the occasion of doing that. I, I think that his, his time away from the Sith and away from, not necessarily the Force, because the, the Force is always with him, uh, as it is with all living beings, uh, it, it, I just don't think that's in his his nature that we get through through all of his away from the Sith time. I think you you'll be surprised yeah. at how much hatred that he builds. Well, and that's it's, why he survives, right? That, he survives it's because his, of his hatred. Yeah, his, his hatred for Obi Wan Kenobi, um, as in my opinion, as cheesy as that is, in a survival story. Like is what keeps him alive. His his concentration on the force and on his hatred and vengeance. for Obi Wan Kenobi and his mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. His need to seek vengeance is what keeps him alive. Yeah. I think you'll be very, very surprised and leads me to my next question is what is your favorite mall moment? I'll start us off real fast. My favorite mall moment is in the last episode of the last arc of the final season of Clone Wars when he pulls down everything with the Force power. And I said it during the episode, uh, our special episode, I think that he has, with that rage and in that moment, if he were to fight Sidious there, I think he wins. That's, yeah. I still believe that. Yeah. Okay, so my favorite moment with Maul is probably the last scene that we see him in and probably the last scene that we see in like the timeline of twin sons in Star Wars Rebels when he goes up against Alec Guinness's Obi-Wan Kenobi. And we can see that he still had anger, he still wanted to kill Obi-Wan, and he wanted to, you know, gain more power. But Obi-Wan was wise at that end, and he actually, there's only three moves that Obi-Wan did to block Maul and ended up striking him through the chest. So I thought that was just... It's, it has a deeper meaning. Talk about deeper meaning as we have Ricky on our show. It just has a deeper meaning behind everything because he tried to use the same move that he did in, to Qui-Gon all those years ago, but Obi-Wan was smart enough because, you know, he studied how to... He studied Sorsu, which was very defensive, and he studied how his master died. So he knew that Maul was probably going to use some kind of technique that he's always used, and... Obi-Wan was able to cut his lightsabers, strike him through the chest, and and that and even in the last words, he's like, will he revenge us? Or He's talking about Luke and talking about how he wants revenge uh, against the Sith. So it's just very poetic, I think. Yeah. So. I think that that's also a testament to Obi-Wan's character. In that, like, Obi-Wan's this Jedi who... Um, is very traditional and, and I'll say conservative in 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 meaning that like he is very Jedi value. Um, you should refrain from emotions and focus on um, the art of the Jedi, the art of the Force, and not become delved in your emotions. And you see that a lot with uh, Ahsoka and Anakin in in the first series, first season of the Clone Wars. Um, like this balancing of can I be an individual who has unique emotions and can I also be a Jedi? And Obi-Wan does that a lot with the second and third films in, in, in the Star Wars movies. But in 
the Phantom Menace and from everything you've just said, Josh, like this is where we see Obi-Wan actually exude emotion towards his former Jedi Master, towards this father-like figure, towards someone that he obviously cared so much about. And you can see that care, especially in the Phantom Menace, when when uh, Kai Gwanjin dies. Uh, and, and it's one of the only times I think I see Obi-Wan Kenobi seeking vengeance against a character. I mean, he's very calm during the whole scene. Like, Al Guinness, you know, he was just talking. And A New Hope, we see him very calm. And it's kind of like that kind of mood when he's going up against them. Like, at first, he did have his, like, old stance, like, that he did against... General Grievous, and then sure. he took a stance, and he actually's like, "No, I'm going to calm down. I'm not going to be, you know, cocky. I'm not going to. I'm just going to uh, wait for him to make the first move. Wait, very defensive, and we'll see what happens. And in the end, you know, like like I said, three moves to kill a former Sith Lord yeah. for the second time. <laughs> for the second time, <laughs> for the round second time. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I just thought it was awesome. At first, I was like, oh, why wasn't there more of a battle? But as you w- rewatch the episode and that scene over and over again, you're satisfied with that ending of Maul just because it does show a deeper meaning behind it. But Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Josh, I think we have our two favorite scenes. Ricky, round us out with your favorite scene. My favorite does come from Phantom Mass, and it's the beginning of the fight scene with... <laughs> Qui-Gon Jinn and with Obi-Wan Kenobi, where Maul drops the robes, pulls the lightsaber out. Duel of the Fate starts playing. Yeah, it reveals (laughs) that his lightsaber is in fact double-sided. The first time we ever see it. Right, because before on Tatooine, he used it single blade, Mm -hmm. um, which was like, you can tell that the hilt is pretty big, like it's it's not a normal size hilt. I wonder if in the theaters, like it, your first time ever watching it, like because now we know that that's a a normal thing. So yeah, it's interesting to think. You know, this is the first time we've ever seen a double bladed lightsaber ever, and like people who saw it first in theaters in 1999, I'm wondering how it felt because now we see that this is like really no- a normal thing. We've seen uh, different. Jedi Masters and Clone Wars and different non-canon materials have these double-sided lightsabers. So seeing that for the first time ever in Star Wars in 1999, I just got to say that that would be like very interesting. I, I would like to know what people were thinking at that moment when they, they, they saw that. Right. It had to be like really impactful. It had to be, like again, like you said, the first time we see, it's really the first time we see a lightsaber out of the norm. That, that that isn't single single blade that is a different style of hilt that is unique in any way shape or form and i think that reveal at the end of of um of phantom menace with duel of fates playing with maul re- like taking off his robes and getting ready for for battle like i, I that's just such a powerful scene to me, that's my favorite Maul moment. Yeah. Because I think it showed... And again, no dialogue. No, like, zero expression on his face. Um, except, like, with his yellow eyes and with his sheer determination, you can see hatred. And hatred for these characters that he doesn't necessarily know. Yeah. Right? Like, 
hatred, just pure. Well, he wants he wants to to kill another Jedi. You know, that's what he wanted. Right. He wants hatred to show his power. Hatred in its raw form. Yeah, and another fun fact. So the person who is um, actually the acrobatics person, I think his name is Ray Park, um, and he mm-hmm. does. Yep all the the acrobatic stuff and it's kind of like a Darth Vader situation so fun fact for the listener out there if you didn't know that originally Darth Vader the person portraying Darth Vader he had like this high voice that wasn't really what George Lucas wanted and the other people who were working on A New Hope so what happened is with Darth Vader so James Earl Jones ended up taking the voice over of Darth Vader and we know him as Darth Vader what happened was in a Phantom Menace, so Ray Park, he has like this high voice. I, I've never met him. I, I don't know if this is, you know, but this is what I, I've done research on. And they actually had to dub, well, later they dubbed a voiceover for him. Um, but I mean, there's no, he, we don't really hear him in uh, Phantom Menace, but that's why Sam Witwer is the, the voiceover in Clone Wars. I mean, there's no, there's no acrobatics live person that we need in Clone Wars and animation, but I just thought it would, yeah. So his voice, when they tried to give him a voice, they had to, they were originally going to try to dub him over like what they did for Darth Vader. That other person being Peter Serafinowicz, who... And I feel like that was... So for me, no matter what, Sam Witwer is, is the voice, is the actor of Darth Maul. He's just like the one that it took me into the character and really like I didn't appreciate Darth Maul really until like I thought he had a cool lightsaber, he had cool moves, cool design. But for me, it wasn't until we actually got to see Sam Witwer and got to see past just the robotic weird legs of Maul, um, the spy the spider Darth Maul. And once we got past that, that's really when I got hooked on mall but that was because of sam whitware so for me like sam whitware is always going to be that darth maul for me i'll agree with matt that like the voice of darth maul and the darth maul is sam whitware because like there's no dialogue that darth maul has in the phantom menace in anything else that we see uh darth maul in aside from the clone wars right so like P- while peter serafinowicz the few lines that he has with darth maul are powerful because he does have that deep like not Ian McDarmond <laughs> that like very breathy tone where you have the power and you have the prowess in your voice, like, but it's super quiet. So there's a power in his very few lines. It does have, even though they're super quiet. Yeah. I think that's a really powerful tool, like using multiple actors. That's true. I mean, Peter, he only had like in a Phantom Menace, he didn't have any like dialogue lines. He just had grunts and, and noises. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Minus the, at last we will reveal ourselves. That's true, yes. Right, right. That being one of the few lines Maul has. Uh, My favorite grunt being the, when when Obi-Wan slices him in half, like it's, I can't believe it's not butter. And like, just that face, (laughs) that that noise is perfect. (laughs) Well, Darth Maul did have the high ground. So people always question, how did he, uh, how did Obi-Wan survive that? Here's the thing. If if you're Darth Maul looking down, your perspective is Obi-Wan who is above you if you're looking down. So Obi-Wan always has the From a certain point of view, that's what you're trying to say. <laughs> so basically So basically, just so just to summarize this, the high ground is all perspective, which means that Anakin just really was not a great Jedi. No, it's Confirmed. all about the high ground. It's all about the high ground. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Even in episode six 
where Darth Vader says to Luke on the high ground, Obi-Wan has taught you well. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So I'm pretty sure that means that we're if we're talking about the high ground at this point, that we're pretty much done with this episode. What do you guys say? I mean, other than that, we could talk a little bit about Solo and like what they were trying to plan, at least what I believe they were trying to plan. We can go into that. And then we talked about the ending of Maul, but I really like how they had this last arc in Clone Wars and to pretty much have his whole story kind of complete. I mean, other than Solo, where he shows a brief cameo where he is running the, the crime syndicates, but... Right. Well, so people are talking about Make Solo 2 Happen. That's a big trend on Twitter. And... That could lead into maybe we do see more Maul, but it'd be live action Maul of maybe Hans trying to rescue uh, Kiara from Maul and the crime syndicate. So that, that'd be interesting. I don't, I feel like Maul's storyline is complete. I don't need to see more of him. I love the ending that we got with Clone Wars. I really, like I said, I like Sam Witwer. Um, I think that Maul's a great character, but I think it's okay to be done with Maul. What about you guys? I'm I'm okay to be done with Maul. Yeah, again, unless you, you like you say, Matt, the the talk of another solo film with with Maul more as the centerfold. Um, but I mean, aside from that, like I, I I'm cool with with what we have that currently exists around Darth Maul. Again, it kind of gets at that he's this dark Sith Lord who represents everything the Sith is. Uh, he gets more of a voice definitely in Clone Wars, no doubt. Um, but I, I'm I'm happy with with him as a character. Um, I have my issues with Phantom Menace as a film um, surrounding Darth Maul, but we can put those issues aside. I th- I think he's he's a really great character and and perhaps one of my one of my favorite Sith characters. You know who he kind of reminds me of in the Clone Wars? He reminds me of Gollum from uh, Lord of the Rings. I know I'm crossing over in the fandoms, and that's gonna <gasps> that, that yeah, it's a big gasp. I'm not sure if we're gonna co- recover from this, but. <laughs> I actually, the way that Maul talks to himself reminds me heavily of Gollum, especially in uh, Two Towers. Um, it's it's very interesting. You can just hear him battling his own self, basically, during it. I like that. Sorry, side well, note. What I would like more as a fan is, is I know with the new trilogy, we got a ton of world building in that, like, every half hour there's a new planet and <laughs> there's a new system being shown with the name at like the bottom left or the bottom right. I would like Dothamir to be a, a planet that was would, would be or could be shown in, in a little bit of world building because it's kind of like Dagobah meets Mustafar. And that's so, like all red and all hazy, but it's so all foresty. I got, I, got a, I got some information for you, buddy. You get to go to Dothamir in Clone Wars. Sure. Perfect. Yes, that'd be great. I, I'm saying more like movie adaptation. Oh, yeah, not animated. Not I would animated. Like to see that. Not animated like live action. We do get to see Death Amir uh, in Jedi Fallen Order, which was really nice. It always that's the the freaky planet that I was really hesitant to go to because I knew it was going to be very difficult. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I'd love to see it in live action. Maybe I don't know if in the Mandalorian, but. I, I don't see how they would put it in there. It would have to be some kind of live action that would be maybe before uh, the Skywalker saga or anything like that. Right. It's just like another Outer Rim planet that, aside from being Darth Maul's home, doesn't really matter all I that mean, much. So I think Dathomir, yeah, there is some kind of overall importance to Dathomir just because, I mean, sure. it's a, it's Asajj's 
home world. It's the Night Sisters' home world. It's the Night Brothers, Maul, and Savage's home world. So I think it's important to the Star Wars universe. Um, I'd like to see how they build off more of the Night Sisters. I know you know they were they were wiped out by Count Dooku and Grievous, and I don't know. It just I'd like to see some kind of before the Skywalker saga because I mean a lot of people. There's a lot of fan fan films out there that show Maul before he reveals himself to the Jedi Order and he kills a bunch of Jedi and like I've seen like a bunch of fan films and they're they're awesome and a lot of people want that to happen. I mean the whole reason why he came back in Clone Wars is because the fans really loved him. So right. that's like I mean there's a, an overall importance and if I wish we could see it again I've said this I think in a previous episode with the solo movie where they were trying to do like Solo and Boba Fett and they were trying to build and have connections between each of the movies. That's where I think Maul, where that cameo in Solo was going to go. And then eventually it would have led into a Boba Fett movie where Boba Fett was with maybe the Huts, and then he goes up against Maul and maybe a Hut family. Uh, I don't know, like some kind of seizing of power. Cause we know that the Huts kind of were forced to join Maul in the Clone Wars. So it would be interesting to see like how that played out. But again, they discontinued, they canceled the Boba Fett movie for the Mandalorian TV show. So it's, thank you for that. It's all up in the air. Right. I mean, I'm very happy with that. I, I still stand by that decision. I still stand by that Clone Wars made Boba Fett even less scary and made me not like him anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, they just made him way too kid like. We will see how they portray. I mean, we know that the Obi-Wan series, at least before the rewriting, that it's supposed to be like closer to Revenge of the Sith. So. I don't know if they're going to show that that final scene with Maul. I mean, I think I think they're going to leave it with Rebels and then that's going to be a Rebel scene and that's it. So, yeah, I don't I think that's just a little thing to add on with with Maul and and uh that that time period in between Revenge yeah. of the Sith and A New Hope. So, right. yeah. But anyhow, I think that about wraps it up. Ricky, thank you so much for coming on the show. How do you feel? I I feel like like I did an hour ago, uh, a little hungry, um, very Star Wars deprived, even though I'm watching the Clone Wars uh, and would like to watch the Mandalorian again. Uh, I just uh, need a little bit more Battlefront, need always a little bit more Star Wars in my life. Yeah, we got to see if uh, your Battlefront 2, uh, the 2017 version works on your your uh, computer. <laughs> right, that way we can play that and... and I mean, hey, if 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 that means we're not going to play 2005 ever again. No, we're going to play 2005. 2005 is such a classic. It, it yeah, cannot, it you be. remember you got demoted, so now we have to fight for honor. So yeah, don't I'll, forget I'll, about I'll that. Show you, I'll show you my honors. Also, for <laughs> the, 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 the lovely listeners out there, we have banned Darth Maul uh, and Ayla Secura as characters from the uh, Tatooine Assault. I'm uh, sorry, the Mos Eisley assault in the 2005 Star Wars Battlefront due to uh, extenuating circumstances around um, very. There was multiple cheating about both of those as playable characters. Very annoying characters. Um, could not defeat them, but yeah, um, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll rest anyhow. And, and then there's also the uh, the big thing that's going on with Battlefront 2 2017 right now. You have to get 5,000 kills to get the uh, the robotic leg Maul skin. Oh wow! And they're they're I think they're gonna shorten. They just it changed it. Okay, they good. just changed it. I'm at about what is it? Now it is just you need 5,000 kills with any dark side. 
it's still five thousand yeah. kills. I mean, yeah, I'm, it's still I'm five thousand kills. I met, I met a, about a quarter of the way. That's sad, and it well, took me. That's like two weeks of playing. Just remember, someone got it in one day. I mean, I think I I watched Sam Witwer. He has it. I think. I think they he got it for free. yeah yeah I was not saying he got it for free yeah so awesome so Matt let's talk about who we're doing next week we are discussing Kanan Jarrus the very famous Jedi from Star Wars Rebels and we have a very special guest we're gonna be joined with the followers of the Force podcast we're gonna have one of their uh, one of their stars on the our show and it's gonna be a fun little cross pod collaboration as we like to call it so we're excited for that one now might say you're pod racing we're pod race oh all right well i think that's a good way to call the show um take care everyone make sure to follow us on different social medias instagram facebook at wannabe jedi podcast and our twitter at wannabe jedi cast make sure to check those out and we'll see you guys all next week for kane and jaris may the force be with you all